Station 13 covers topics that may not be suitable for all listeners, such as death, homicide, body gore, and the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put the kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. top of today's show, I would like to announce we have added a brand new section to the site's webpage. This page is called Community Causes, and on it we will be sharing causes in the community that need funding, whether that be charities that are struggling, those suffering from loss of housing due to disability, sexuality, or orientation, and those looking to fund surgeries for people or pets they find dear. If you'd like to have your story shared through the Community Causes page, or on the podcast, please reach out through thestation13.com. This page's first call to action is for Luke O'Ryan and their queer platonic partner, Betty. Luke recently became a wheelchair user to help with their mobility and are currently struggling to afford a place to stay permanently. They are currently living in a van in an unfamiliar state with their two fur children as they try and find a place safe enough to call home. You can locate Luke's coffee page to donate through the page on the site listed above where they post general life updates and their art. Their music will also be featured on the cast in the future. I implore anyone with a heart large enough and funds they are able to part with to help them on their journey. Alright, on to the show! Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're all still alive. So if you recall my first night on the air, I mentioned I should probably move. Well, I finally managed just that a few days ago. I happened to find a nice little house to rent in a quaint little HOA. Now, before we start ranting on homeowners associations, this one is not as bad as most. Honestly, it's mostly there to make the residents feel a little safer from the impending doom of this world. They have a night watch and help with preventing the more unsavory types of creatures from entering the community. It's more of a paranormal protection pact than an HOA, but I won't tell them how to name it. Living in this type of community was never in my original life plan, but this offered certain perks to entice me to move in. One of those perks was that I get to read confessionals from members of the community, essentially airing out anonymous dirty laundry. Yes, I get that it sounds like batshit, but when the nearest religious establishment is 13 hours away, these old women make do. Aside from that juicy incentive, I was also given reduced rent in exchange for announcing PTA meetings and bake sales on the show. I'll try to keep that as on-brand as possible, but I need that sweet, sweet rent drop. Anywho, this was just a long way for me to say I'll be sharing dirty little secrets and bake sale announcements here and there. Though I'm sure that won't bother most of you who crave a break from the mundane. In other events, I've been getting quite a few emails that have come as quite a concern. Most of them are titled things like Moons Plural or Dual Skyfire. I honestly don't know why that comes as a surprise. Doesn't everyone see both the moons and both the suns? I mean, we only had one of each until about 1887, according to record, but I just assumed this was a whole world situation. I'm starting to wonder if my signal is stronger than I thought. I guess the neons really do keep it from being interrupted by the giant birds in the area. 
I actually saw one of the bigger birds of this region on my way into the studio today. It's quite unsettling as it can blot out the entire mile of suns with its shadow. I honestly thought the suns decided to take a little break at five in the afternoon. Oh shit, that scared me. Didn't know the phone line here was still active. I guess let's see who's calling. Hello, you've reached station 13. This is JJ Void. What can I do for you? Hello? Oh, shit. shit. Thank God this line isn't dead. It sure isn't. Can I ask why you gave it a ring? It, it, yes, I'm calling because I need advice. <coughs> oh. You see, something is following me, and I hid in the park bathrooms to try and lose it. This number was written on the wall saying to call if shit went cray-cray. Well, that's a new one, but yes, I'd love to help. Does the bathroom have windows? Can you see what's following you? There is a window, and I see it. Holy shit, it's massive. This thing is the size of a minivan. Can you describe anything about it? Anything at all to help me narrow it down? Well, it's covered in feathers, but it's no fucking bird. I can't see any eyes, but it's snapping its head back and forth like it's searching for something. Well, fuck. Look, that's what people call the Owl Man. It's totally blind, but its hearing's immaculate. It, its hearing is immaculate? What the heck do you mean by that? Oh, fuck. I get it now. Look, how attached to your phone are you? I think I have a plan. At this point, my phone is an easy price to pay. What do I need to do? Toss it. Put it on speaker, crank the volume, and toss it out the bathroom window. Once you do that, I'll start taunting it. Hopefully, then you can run for it. Fine. Put you on speaker now. I better not regret this shit. Hey, feathered freak, I'm over here. Come and get me. Well, shit, I really hope that girl lives. Quite frankly, Owlmen are pretty fast, but who knows, maybe she was a track star. Well, that was weird as shit, but I guess that means the phones still work. What a treat. Hey, random caller, if you hear this show, I'd love another call just to see if you made it out of there alright. I won't lie, though, this call gave me the perfect chance to rehash an old story. Owlmen used to be a lot less common than they are now, and a lot less aggressive, so this actually led to quite a few write-ins when I was in my heyday. Let me see here... Ah, yes, I have a couple of stories here featuring this creature that I'd like to read to you today. Remember, these stories are a couple of years old, so the Owlman protocols weren't in place yet. Speaking of the Owlman protocols, why don't I play that public service reminder first? We'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know what I'm recording. This is Garth here with a public service reminder on Owlmen. Owlmen have recently made a resurgence. The once extinct creature is now repopulated in local urban parks, and for that reason, we have created the Owlman protocols. These protocols are quite simple and should help out in a bind. If you are caught in an urban park after 10 p.m. without your phone or your town-appointed pocket radio, find the nearest public restroom. These restrooms are left unlocked and can be locked from the inside, which is exactly what you should do. 
There should be a phone located in the last stall, and with that, you should contact your local fire department. Once you have informed them of the situation, they will turn on the park's central alarm system, allowing you to book it out of the area. If you do have your phone, text the convenient number that should be etched into the back of it. This will automatically turn on the alarms. With your town-appointed radio, simply turn it to station 2.3. This will also turn on the alarms. Remember to always avoid staying in parks past dark, and always keep your phone handy. Now that we all have been reminded of what to do in case of an owl man, why don't I dive into these stories I have set out in front of me? For now, I'll ignore all the formalities and just jump straight into the stories that previous listeners sent in. This first one came from a young woman named Lily. Let's see what Lily had to say. I have been witnessing something weird in my neighborhood recently. You see, I live in a small suburb that's surrounded by woods with a little cutout for a park to hold events. My bedroom window actually faces the park, which is why I noticed this in the first place. This whole situation started about three weeks ago. I was up late playing Metal Gear Solid when I heard a strange noise coming from outside my window. It sounded like a young child trying to impersonate an owl. I paused my game and went to the window to look. I didn't see anything at first, but a giant shadow cast over the basketball court. I had assumed kids were playing graveyard out in the backwoods now that school was over. I saw a couple of fires going earlier when I was walking home from the library, so it wasn't that unusual. However, the noises didn't stop after one night. Two days later, I was working on some summer school assignments and the noises got much louder. This time, I rushed to my window and actually saw more than a shadow. Standing underneath one of the park lights was a giant creature. I thought it was a bear at first. In shock, I went to open the window to try and look closer, but as I started to unlatch the window pane, the creature's head snapped in my direction. I didn't think my window made that much noise, but this creature continued to face me as I slowly opened it. As I stuck my head out, I could see it clearer. It was bigger than a bear, reaching over half the height of the light post, but it had a similar body structure to one. Four stumpy legs and what looked like wings dragging along the ground, its neck elongated and in its face the shape of an owl. I couldn't tell if it had eyes, but the beak on its face was clear as day. The whole sight of it made me stumble backwards, and as I did so, it made movement towards me. Never in my life had I been warned about something like this in our backyard. We dealt with creatures that tore up our gardens and ones that tried to steal the chickens, but never something this big. I closed my window as the creature made movements towards my house before stopping at the fence line. My dad wasn't too thrilled when I woke him up, but became increasingly agitated as I dragged him up to look out my window. When he saw the thing pacing the basketball court, his face went pale and he rushed downstairs to make some phone calls. I tried picking up my phone to hear what he was saying, but all I heard on the line was, It's back. Owlman? I thought they were extinct. A few days later, our neighborhood issued a curfew regarding the park, and no one was allowed in after dark anymore. Of course, kids are stupid, and if you went missing the last two weeks... My parents have even been discussing moving to a different town. I didn't know what an owl man is, but I thought this story might be something you'd find interesting. I remember reading this one back in the day. It was the first letter I got referencing the owl man, and back then I didn't know what they were either. I did some digging, and it turned out owl men were a cryptid that was more prevalent when our grandparents were kids. 
Most of the information I dug up about them were stories of people accidentally wandering into their nests and coming out battered and bruised at the edge of the forest. However, that wasn't all. Apparently in the 60s, owlmen eggs were considered a delicacy, and many people with wealth beyond their means would purchase the eggs for libido enhancers, facial masks, and even simply to claim they ate one. This is probably what led to the decline of the populace and caused them to become urban myths. Our next story is actually about an owlman egg that ended up in the hands of someone it probably shouldn't have. This letter was sent in by Shelley. Let's see what this story has to share. When I was nine, my cousin gave me a very peculiar gift that they found in the woods. It was a large egg the size of two basketballs on top of each other. I had assumed it was just a weird rock, but little was I aware at that delicate age that this nonchalant gift given as a joke would ruin my life. I remember stashing this peculiar present in my nest of plushies and for a good seven years completely forgot it existed. It helped that it never gave off an odor of a rotten egg, which probably didn't help my suspicion that it was just a rock. At sixteen is when the chaos really began. I came home from school one day and noticed my plushies scattered throughout my room. This led my eyes straight to the empty eggshell I had stashed beneath them. It was shocking to see, to say the least. For seven years the pile had grown, but not moved, and now it was cluttering my room with an empty egg in its epicenter. After cleaning up, I sat on my bed, my head reeling with confusion as to what caused the egg or rock to break. That's when something the size of a medium dog climbed its way from under my bed and up onto it. My heart started pounding as I stared at it, and I took in its presence. It didn't look anything like, well, anything I knew of. Its neck was long, and its body resembled a bear cub's, with stumpy legs and wings that dragged as it walked. Though as I looked at its face, I noticed it had no eyes to be seen, just an owl-like face and a beak. As I sat there, frozen in stone, in shock, it made its way onto my lap and curled up like a cat, burying its face in my arms. Maybe this thing wasn't too bad, was the line that kept running through my head as I just sat. For a few days, I hid the creature in my room, feeding it fish from the bait shop down the road. It seemed cute, almost puppy-like in the way it liked to chase little jingle balls across the floor. It was going well. I had somehow acquired a peculiar pet. It was cute and cuddly and enjoyed listening to the radio with me while I studied. This didn't last for long, however, as the creature had grown a hunger I couldn't anticipate. After a few days of keeping this little fellow, as I called it, stashed away in my room, I forgot to close the door after returning from the bathroom in the middle of the night. The next morning, I woke up to my new friend being gone simply missing from my room, with the door swung wide open to the hall. As I groggily got up to look for it and made my way out of the room, I noticed bloody paw prints lining the hall. They had led straight from my parents' room, and as I followed them, breath caught in my throat. I heard the most disturbing gnawing noises. When I did finally reach the doorway, the little fellow pranced his way out, almost as if it was expecting me. It held my mom's hand in its mouth, and that's when I dropped to my knees. Out of what I assume was concern, the creature walked up to me and set the hand on my lap. 
I was too overcome to move as it did so. I just sat there and stared, and it didn't take long before it went back to continue its feast. For a few hours, that's all I did. Sit there and stare off into space, my brain completely empty. Eventually, I pulled myself off the floor and got to the landline. I called up the WDPCA and explained the situation as clearly as I could through the tears that began blurring my vision. In a few hours, my house was clean and sanitized, the creature was taken into custody, and I was sat on my couch with a cup of coffee talking to the agents. They explained to me, as plainly as they could, that what I had unintentionally hatched was an owl man. A cryptid that hadn't been seen in several years, nor one that they knew much about at all. For example, none of them were aware that owl man eggs take approximately seven years to hatch, a fact that I had paid a hefty price to find out. I joined the WDPCA shortly after. My parents were gone and I didn't want to enter a foster home, plus they offered to pay for my college tuition if I helped them study the creature that ruined my life. Good deal, I suppose. Anyway, I'm just sharing this in case anyone comes across large eggs in the woods. Steer clear of them, the mother probably isn't too far away. Yes, the little things are cute, but they can more than overpower an adult person. Now, Shelley actually wrote in occasionally with stories from her days in the Wisconsin Department of Paranormal and Cryptid Activity, so I'm sure I'll read more of her writing as the days move on. We were actually quite close at one point. I even went to her wedding a few years ago. Unfortunately, since she moved up to Alaska, communications have stopped, though I'm sure if something happened, her wife would have contacted me and let me know. Alright, I have one last story about the Owl Man for you, but this time it isn't actually a letter I received, but an excerpt from a story I read a few months ago. This story is called Hiking in Cryptid Territory, and was written by Joshua Martin. In this specific passage, he discusses his personal interaction with an owlman and its cub. It provides a more in-depth description of the creature's looks and its social interactions between others of its species. Let me start from the beginning of this chapter. I always loved camping. It was all I ever asked for from my parents on birthdays. Simply a trip up north or to the local state parks. For the first ten or so years of my life, my parents indulged me full-heartedly. We'd go to a new state park every other weekend and eventually started traveling further in the summers. I loved sleeping in our well-worn pop-up camper and sitting by the fire watching the lightning bugs in the distance. This is probably what inspired me to start hiking in the first place. However, when I turned thirteen, my parents decided their life needed one more soul in it and decided to try for my little sister. This understandably stopped our travels, and while my mom was incredibly apologetic, I never took it to heart. I did, however, become disheartened when my sister entered this world with an autoimmune disease. Don't get me wrong, I love her dearly and she inspires me every day. We still share a phone call every time I get reception, but this meant the end to the family travel. We couldn't risk her getting sick from ticks or airborne diseases that spread through the trees. On my 16th birthday, my parents noticed how the lack of exploration was grating on me, so they gifted me a tent. I spent so many hours in that tent, in our backyard, in local forests, hell, even the local golf course one night when they held a special event for a meteor shower. 
It was probably the best gift I could have received at the time in my life. It gave me my own space while I figured out this world of ours. By this time, my sister was walking and talking, and I'd set the tent up in the living room and we'd camp right there in front of the fireplace. These were probably the major formative years of my youth. At 18, as a graduation present, my parents decided to kick it up a notch. They handed me the keys to a used camper van, $6,000, and a pass to the National Park System. This was more than I deserved, more than I could have asked for, and I almost broke down in front of them for the first time. This is truly what started my journey, and as I sit here writing this in Zion, I can't help but miss their absence. Now, while the story above seems irrelevant to this entry, I promise you it is not, for my first encounter with a cryptid happened not too shortly after I left my hometown in my rearview mirror. I had stopped at Wildcat Mountain for the night and set up camp. It didn't take long before I was sprawled among the grass with my belly full of pudgy pies and my radio playing up on a rock. While I lay there, borderline unconscious from the food coma, is when my first encounter began. A noise crept over my radio of what sounded like a child mimicking an owl, and the greenery behind me started to rustle. I listened to it unnerved before convincing myself to sit up and turn around, albeit as quietly as possible. When I did manage to turn my body a full 180, I initially didn't see a thing, but it didn't take long before I saw an outstretched neck of something searching through the brush, and with that, a large eggshell rolled down a nearby hill. I decided to just sit there and watch in fear of aggravating the being in front of me. Eventually, the being made its way out into the clearing. That is when I saw it, clearly. From toe to head, it looked about ten feet tall. Its whole body was covered in what looked like feathers, and its neck alone must have been at least three feet as it twisted around its body. As it fully emerged from the greenery, I could tell it had a bear-like shape, with wings that dragged along the ground as if they were only there for decoration. When it did finally point its face in my direction, it was obvious that this creature had no eyes, simply just a large beak and an owl-like head. I couldn't bring myself to breathe for a while, as this creature was one I was warned about as a boy. I had come face to face with an owl man. The name never made sense to me as a child, but recently my father had informed me they were called that not because of their features, but because, simply put, they could swallow a grown man whole. So I stayed still. I breathed quietly and I watched. The owl man roamed the clearing for a while, shifting its head every which way listening for something. At first I assumed it was hunting. The woods were fertile with deer and other wildlife. But shortly I would be proven wrong. A small version of the creature in front of me came bounding out of the woods looking as dopey as a hound puppy. It had a small creature in its mouth, most likely a rabbit, and bumped right into the larger owlman's leg. Now I had never heard of the interrelationship dynamics of these creatures, so I watched with bated breath as the larger creature whipped its head down and snatched up the youngling. I was scared for a moment that I had just witnessed a murder, but it became soon and evident that the larger one had simply scuffed it. With what I assume was this owlman's baby in tow, it tottered off into the woods and disappeared from my view. This is when I started cataloging my adventures and found my love for writing. 
Honestly, without this experience, I probably wouldn't have even written this book. Well, that certainly gave us some insight on the creature's past, before it went after anything and anyone that entered its territory. Though I am starting to wonder if it calms down around music. Don't test that. I repeat, do not test that. It is a theory, and I'd rather no one die for my theories but myself. Thank you. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed those older tales I had stashed away, but now I have something a bit more important for you as the summer breaks down our door. I recently came across this post in my new HOA's Neighborhood Watch forum, and figured it was about time to warn everyone about what summer brings. This post comes to us from my neighbor Maya. It reads, I've come to notice that there is always something just out of sight, a creature taking a leisurely nap at the edge of my vision. This little invader wouldn't be so bothersome if it had the decency to remain still, but alas, its body shifts and twists under my cornea. As I grew more and more uncomfortable, I reached out to Reddit for help. Such help was quick to be given, providing remedies to dislodge this unwanted passenger. The most common solution among the answers being a bowl of boiling water, similar to pore opening, sat under your eyes with a towel over your head to trap the vapors. So that is the solution I went with. Luckily it seems to work a treat. The squirmy invaders started to leak from my eyes. However, when the first worm touched the boiling water below it retracted, I had to grab it before it returned to its hiding spot with my finger. Gripping the body of the worm, I began to pull. It was wildly unpleasant and my vision went blurry, but I kept strong. Eventually all the invaders were sitting in the bowl below my face. I was glad for once Reddit proved useful, and as eyeworm season falls upon us, I wish to share this story just to make sure you don't stop pulling before they're all removed. They tend to repopulate rather quickly. I would also recommend to avoid using a light color towel. Blood is not easy to get out of beige fabric. Also, don't forget to apply a hot compress once you're done to prevent permanent vision damage. Yes, you heard it right, folks. Eye worm season is upon us. I really do hope no one listening will have to deal with these invaders this year. Your local pharmacy should carry some over-the-counter eye drops to prevent infection, so I'd suggest picking some up before going on your summer travels. Now that we have your yearly reminder out of the way, why don't we head to the news? Void. If you're if you're hearing this, it's it's me, Garth. I don't think that I'll be able to do the news today, um, and I wanted to send you this message in case I can never do the news again. The creature outside of my window, it's it's ma it's made its way in, and I don't know what it wants, and I don't know what I'm gonna. Oh shit! God, I hope he's okay. I'm gonna try and give him a call, folks. Will I do that? Listen to the mayoral update he was able to send me yesterday, and then we'll break for commercials. The mayoral race in Whitewater is heating up, and so far, Professor Bites is in the lead. People really seem to flock to his platform of more public parks and community gardens. This is in staunch contrast to Mayor Whiskers, who believes all gardens and parks should be gated for the mayor alone, not to mention demanding everyone grow carrots in tribute. Rabbits shouldn't even have that many carrots. I hope everyone is enjoying their time spent with Station 13, but now it is time to give way to those that make this possible. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations. 
This lovely humanoid made the podcast art and the intro tune. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, lapcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? What about your newest music? Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com. We'll see you there. Well, I have some unfortunate news, everyone. I couldn't get a hold of Garth or his apartment complex, so I'm afraid he may no longer be with us. Garth Strongwater was such a good friend when I was still with the old crew, and continues to be a good friend to this day. I really hope the creature left a bit of him for us to hold a funeral. His wife will be heartbroken. Unfortunately, the show must go on, and with all the talk of Owlman earlier, I feel it might be appropriate to discuss the lesser-known Mouston Birdman of Wisconsin. Let's hop on over to the report, shall we? Maybe it will help us clear our minds a bit. The Mouston Birdman was a sentient creature reportedly seen by multiple children in the Mauston area. This creature was described by a witness's grandchild, who goes by Spooky Robinson, as having the body of a man with big round yellowish feathers covering its entirety, its feet being very bird-like but large, complete with a set of talons to match, the head coming right out of the shoulders with a long yellow beak, very bird-like. Of course, this description leads many to joke about it simply being Big Bird from Sesame Street. Of course, there are only two reported sightings I can currently dig up, but a Big Bird in your backyard can still be scary. Spooky Robinson shared their tales on a site called Unexplained Research. These were the only two sightings I could dig up, despite many articles claiming that this creature has been haunting the area for a while. For now, I'll share Robinson's story and hope maybe one day someone will reach out with their own tales of Robinson claims that when they were ten years old, living in the isolated country on the side of a bluff, their grandmother saw the creature. One day she let out a terrible scream and when the family went to check on her, she was hysterical. She stated that a bird man was staring at her through the window, claiming it was six feet tall. Of course, the description above was what she had seen, the mysterious big bird staring at her through the window. Even a few years prior to the woman's sightings, Robinson's sister claimed to have seen the being, claiming it had come to visit them, taking them outside to play and showing them neat things and the like. She even claimed the next day they went outside and found big yellow feathers. Of course, she went on claiming this for about a year before Robinson states she just stopped. They state they even inquired about it a few years later, and that she no longer remembered a thing, not even insisting it happened. This all took place in 1977 and 1980. An administrator of the site, Chad Lewis, replied to Spooky Robinson. He stated that the sighting was similar to a creature Todd Roll had seen, an eight-foot-tall phantom chicken hovering around St. Peter's Cemetery in Stevens Point. 
He claimed that him and his friend Rick Hendricks went to investigate and discovered that the location is located near a large forest and running water. This led them to believe it was a Bigfoot-like creature, but possibly the birdman Robinson was looking for. But with that bird resembling more of a chicken, Robinson admitted mild defeat. Unable to find anyone else who has seen the creature, they simply go with their husband's theory. That their sister's story was just a weird dream, and that their grandmother had simply fallen asleep, and when she woke up, her dream state misconstrued Big Bird on Sesame Street for a Big Bird-like entity in the window. Another member on this site tried to share insight on Birdmen, most of the ones being more owl-like in nature, and stated the unfortunate that bird men were rare to Wisconsin. While Robinson's husband makes a good point about dream states, I do like to believe what their grandmother saw was a true being haunting the Mauston Bluffs, a creature that others may have witnessed. I really wish I could have found more on this Mauston Birdman, as it doesn't seem malicious. I feel like it would make a pretty good babysitter when the parents just want a night out. If you or anyone you know lives near the area and have seen this creature, please reach out on the website. I'd love to revisit this being that's not quite a cryptid. And now, off to the weather. Hello everyone, Miss here with the weather. Looks like today is going to be a particularly dry day with some smoke coming down from Antarctica. We're not sure how long it's been burning, and at this point we're too afraid to ask. The wind will also be rather strong today, not strong enough to move a trampoline, but strong enough to carry the smell of cooking meat into the woods, so maybe hold off on that particular activity for a while. Otherwise, it's shaping up to be a lovely day of dry heat. However, I do want to remind you that we will be coming up on our rainy season here soon, so please remember to start preparing your basements now. Remember, flooded basements are breeding grounds for horrors, and we do not need a repeat of last year's influx. Seriously, it fucks up the environment when too many horrors are bred at once, so please handle your shit. That's all from me today. Remember to apply your sunscreen or you'll be the next cryptid we cover. Back to you, Void. Thank you, Misk. Now, time for an urgent update I was sent yesterday by our possibly gone from this world Garth Strongwater. This is an urgent update on the hole that opened up in Whitewater a couple of weeks ago. It appears the hole has vanished after traveling quite a ways up Highway 12. However, everything it swallowed appeared on the shoreline of Lake Michigan. Several people that had been engulfed in their cars seem unscathed. A few even had ice cream in their hands. In related news, Whitewater Scoops has reopened in Door County on the lakefront. Back to you, Void. Now, while everyone was listening to that, I got a very interesting email. It reads, Void, I beg of you to read this on air. Our son has gone missing and we desperately need to get the word out. You're our only hope. Well, shit. I guess an Ambrosia alert will be coming out soon. Hmm, let's see what else is here. Our son went missing sometime in the night. We woke up this morning to the hiss of an improperly closed airlock and a missing biosuit. I just know he wouldn't run off like this. He's a smarter than that. His features include shaggy brown hair and blue eyes and he may be wearing a dark green biosuit. The last time we checked the date, he was 15 years of age and goes by Alex. If you see or hear anything, please visit the bunker off I-45. There is a comm system by the door to contact us. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Sterling. Wait, 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 wait. Mr. and Mrs. Sterling? 
Aren't those the two eccentrics that went missing a few decades ago? I'm gonna have to assume so if they mention a bunker. I guess you heard it here, folks. If you are Alex, or you think you see Alex, have him call his parents. Ah, it looks like Garth responded to my texts. I'm glad to see he's alright. He even sent me today's news. Let's hop onto that right away. Hello again, folks. Garth Strongwater here yet again with the news, but first, an update. The creature outside of my window did indeed make its way inside. I was sure that my life was about to be over, but as it turns out, the creature simply made us both breakfast. I apologized for my panicked reaction and ate some lovely pancakes. Well, I'm assuming they were pancakes. Minus the blinking eyes and slight murmuring from below the syrup, they looked and tasted exactly how my mother used to make them. In today's news, I am going to break the fourth wall. This is serious. This is out of character. If you keep frozen strawberries in your home, please check to make sure that they were not part of the recalls this past June. It's reported that some frozen strawberries carry the hepatitis A virus. This is serious, and I encourage you all to check that any frozen strawberries you have in your house are not affected by this recall. Keep yourself and your family safe. Back to you, Void. Now, back on with the show. Last time I told you all a story from my past that tickled my fancy. So this time I figured I'd share something from the past and present. You see, when I was a kid, there was a pretty popular diner that my mother and I would go to every Friday. It was run by an older woman named Marge, and she always made us feel welcome. This past week, I actually ran across an article concerning the diner I'd like to read to you today. Though I warn you, the contents of the article may upset anyone who used to flock to the diner, so listen at your own discretion. Here we go. The owner of the popular Little Egg Diner, Marge Thompson, was found dead last week in her Darboy home. It is said she was found murdered in her back garden and investigations are currently ongoing. She is survived by her daughter, Margaret Johnson, who has driven down to comply with detectives. Among the ruckus of this event, it was discovered that below Little Egg Diner held quite the dark secret. In the beginning stages of the investigation, the detectives were able to gain access to the basement which the employees stated they were never allowed in. Inside, they found several tools of mutilation along with a freezer filled with varying beings, including several human remains. With this discovery, more digging was done, and among the chaos that was this basement, they found recipes seemingly written by Marge herself. Several incorporated human meat into them, and various parts of local horror leading to the discovery that most, if not all, meat used in the diner's recipes were that of humans or horrors. It turns out Marge was the famous Starboy Stalker, a serial killer that targeted those listed as the worst of the worst in the sexual offender registry. Margaret claims she had no idea of her mother's hobby, but is in custody awaiting a final verdict. It seems that the family favorite Little Egg Diner has gone from warming hearts to turning stomachs, as it is now in the process of being condemned. Margaret claims that she will reopen the diner in due time with a proper menu, but will anyone want to eat there again after this is all said and done? Now, I can't condone feeding humans and horrors to paying customers, but I can at least give Marge props for cleaning the streets. I can imagine much worse ways that could have gone, though horrors being on the menu does explain some things. Anyway, that unfortunately brings us to the end of tonight's show. 
It's a pleasure that you all joined me again, and I hope to see you all healthy and happy next time. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? This is DJ Void, signing off. everyone for taking the time to listen to Station 13. A special thanks goes out to Lyric for the podcast cover art and voicing Garth Strongwater. You can find him on TikTok as Lapcat Creations. Another special thanks to Rain for voicing our newest station staple, Misk. You can find them on other shows such as Onward and Onward on most podcasting platforms and Paracosm Entertainment on YouTube and Twitch. Would you like to learn more about our cast? Visit thestation13.com.